never regret that to surrender to him it's what we're looking for we want the Holy Spirit to be in a many membered body how's it gonna happen that's our anthem I surrender amazing grace that saved a wretch like me how to do it because we just laid ourselves down and said Lord it's by your blood no power of my own, but he did it. He saved me. He redeemed me. He did the work. He opened the channels. He made it proper. Oh, thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together. As we know, we're going to take the first maybe 25 minutes, half an hour on a, a mission report, and then the next few hours after that, we'll preach the word. And uh, Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. We'll turn to James, James chapter 4. Amen. This has been my thought really since I came back is this scripture. And my wife and I were talking about it on the way to service, so I thought, well, I might as well read it. James chapter 4 and verse 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, that is a sobering thought. But it's true, Lord. What is this life? Lord, we spend so much time building and gaining and working. And, but Lord, it's just all to vanish away. For there's only one thing we can take with us to the other side, and that's our character. Lord, what we did, the attitude we kept, Lord, that in the good times and in the bad times, Lord, did we serve you. Father, help us, Lord, to 
be more diligent in the things that you've called us to do. For the hour is late and the time is short. The laborers are few. But, Father, you called us to do something. Lord, give us grace in your sight, Lord, to fulfill that which you've called us unto. We love you, Lord, and we want to ask, Lord, that you would have the remainder of this service in the control of your hands, Lord. Uh, Father, your spirit now will just be given free reign, both of the speaker and of the hearer. Uh, we surrender now to you. We love you in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats if you would, if you would like. Sister Ruth, if you could just put that, that slide up there as I was saying. We will do a mission report on Africa, and I hope it is a blessing to you. And really to explain, and not really explain, but to present some of the needs of the body of Christ it's not just end time message tabernacle. It's not just Canada. It's not just America. It's not just South America, Central America. There's a body of Christ that is worldwide. And we aren't going in a rapture till the last one's in. Worldwide. Amen. And mission does start here. We need to be a, a witness here. We need to be witnessing. We need to be preaching the war. We need to be an example here. But it's not just here also. Amen. As Brother Ed has mentioned, we are a mystic-minded church, and I've appreciated that, and um, fortunately, yet unfortunately for my flesh, I, I do feel a calling sometimes to go overseas and different brothers they invite, and, and uh, sometimes you got to do it, but uh, I appreciate more than that your prayers. Amen. Let me say that right off the hop. When, when, when the saints of God get together in prayer, when you're overseas and you're not well and you're sick and you're just preaching the word, you feel it. When there's something that undertakes for you. You know, on the way down this time uh, to Africa, I got sick on the plane and was sick the whole time I was in Uganda. But, you know, the Lord gave me voice every service to minister the word. There was voice there. I'd leave the pulpit and couldn't hardly talk, scratchy voice. And getting up to the pulpit, couldn't hardly talk. But when the word came forth... I had voice to preach the word, and I don't know where it came from. So say thank you for your prayers. Amen. So Africa, we all know where Africa is. Africa. We were in a little country called Uganda. This is Kampala right here. This is the capital of Uganda. Wow, I'm really shaky. And uh, we were in over here in East Africa, Kampala, and then I was up in Ethiopia in Addis Ababa. So in Uganda, we'll just start there. That's where I was first. I was there for a few days. Uh, we were there in the church. In, uh, we had a youth convention. It was at the Gayaza High School. Is anybody here from Uganda? No? Okay. I thought maybe some of the brothers. I couldn't remember. Sorry. From Uganda. But there's, there's a little school. It's just right here, right next to Kampala. There's a little high school. Brother Robert Kabasi is the pastor, one of the pastors in Kampala, little high school there. It's actually uh, one of the most renowned high schools in Uganda because it, it, it is one of the oldest, but it has a reputation for bringing out doctors and lawyers and very high educated people, very smart people. And it's interesting. It's one of the only schools in Uganda that doesn't require women to cut their hair. It's very, very common in Uganda because to keep lice down and different things, they want all the girls to just cut their hair off and, and wear hair like boys because it's easier to clean. But this is one of the schools that says, 
women do not have to cut their hair. They can come to our school, and this is where they have the, uh, um, the youth convention. So here's the youth convention. I'll just say a couple things about it. This is, what, this is the first convention of its kind in Uganda that is known, um, that we know about. Uh, this is the sixth year they've been doing it. Brother Robert Kobasi, I'll show you a picture of him later. Wonderful brother. I've been in touch with him for years now. And uh, he doesn't have a sponsor for this, and neither does he want one. I'm bringing this out because this is very impressive to me about African countries and things. They don't, he says, I don't want money. I don't want anyone to give money to support these. He says, because this is something that the youth support in themselves. Yeah. Much like we do a camp here, he actually charges the youth to come. Young people that don't have a lot of money, but they want to be there in the presence of God enough. They supply and support the meetings to be there. And in that, there is a blessing, and it's a part for them to play. And I say praise the Lord that someone over there also has that revelation that they don't need to wait and wait for the white man to have money and money and money. No, he says, no, we can do this, and God will bless us for it. And let me tell you, God poured out a blessing while we were there. They actually provide, uh, it costs about, at a, a camp like that, about 300 youth only costs over there about 10,000 Canadian dollars, which is, which is not very much, but they, uh, it's a lot of money, but it's not very much for a camp that size. <laughs> um, anyways, this is the, the convention. This is the picture here of the meeting hall. This is one of the specials they were singing, just probably the best picture I had of it. Um, that they would come together, they would have something called a morning glory. Here you go, young people. A morning glory where they gathered together. The youth got up at 5 o'clock in the morning. They were in the hall to worship and pray for four to five hours before breakfast. <laughs> and that was at the end of the camp. I'll show you some pictures, but they gave out uh, MP3 players to some of the groups of the youth. But one sister got one for herself. It was an MP3 player with the entire message on it. She got one for herself because she was the most um, on time. I can't remember the right word. Most on time, and she was there every morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, waiting for the doors to open so she could go in and pray. A young woman about 19 years old. So she could go in and pray and worship the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. That they were that hungry. We, we could take some cues from that. Just say that. They would worship for that long, and then finally, on, 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 say on the Saturday, Sunday, we had about 300 youth there. Friday and Monday was between 150 to 200, depending on, on the service. And, but that was from about 28 different churches around Uganda. Also, some came from Rwanda, South Sudan, Kenya, youth from all over that wanted to come to be a part of these meetings. We thank the Lord for them. This is some brothers, one of them you might recognize, but this is by myself here, in case you're wondering. Brother Gideon here, this is Brother Gideon. He's uh, from the United States, from North Carolina. He's a brother that came and ministered the youth meetings with me. They gave him two services and me four. I'm not sure how that worked, but um, he was a real wonderful brother, real, real good ministry. I really enjoyed being with him. This is Brother Dan here. Put a picture of him and his wife up there. This is the brother here. He's actually, he was my translator the entire time. He was my translator last time I was there. He does a wonderful job. He's actually given, he worked for the first 40 years of his life in different businesses and things. And he said on his 40th birthday, he said, Lord, I was for myself for the first 40 years. Whatever you give me now, it's for you. 
I quit everything, and he now travels around. If there's a brother that comes in, he takes him, he travels around with him wherever he's going, translates for him, takes him, drives him wherever he needs to go. He's just fully, he's not a minister, he just translates. And the best translator I've ever actually seen, that he just, sorry, no offense to any of the translators here. But they, I could preach almost as fast as I preach here. And he was just right there. We were talking at the same time. He was right there with me. And, and uh, we just were able to minister like that. Um, but the youth there, I'll say this, the youth there in Kampala, they're all educated in English. So you can almost preach to them in English. And they would understand you and you could, you could preach to them. Unfortunately, my kind of backwards English doesn't really work all that well with them. But it was, it was, it was real good. They, they worship in English. They sing in English. So you, it was easy to understand and be a part of the services there. Um, this is Brother Robert Cabassi here. I'm not a photographer, okay? <laughs> Thank you. This is Brother Robert Cabassi here, and, and he's the brother that was the host pastor. Uh, he's the one who had the burden for these youth meetings. In order for the youth, he said there's a couple of things that, that he wants. And number one is services that are focused on the youth because that's important. And we know that here. It's important, amen, to feed them, to make sure they are coming and getting the word of God, not just coming to the services. And it's about the old people. No, there's young people too, amen. And there's also the other burden was he said the young people, they need to get together. They need to have fellowship with one another, believing young people, not just with out in the world. And this brother here, I'll tell you a little testimony. This is Brother Paul. Um, he's a brother that his, his mother passed away, or sorry, his father passed away several years ago. And uh, his dad passed on, and he was a message believer. They attended a church on the other side of Kampala. After his dad passed on, his mother refused to go to church. But she would still send the children until they refused to go. And they, until finally they said, well, if you're not coming, we're not going. But then after a little while, this young man, he decided, you know, I'm going to try a different church. I'm going to go. And he went right away to Brother Robert Cabassi's assembly. And he went there and he started worshiping. God got a hold of him in such a way. So he's been on fire for the Lord now for a couple years and just really eating the word. Until his, this, this set of meetings when I was there, this convention, was the first time his mother came back to church since his father had passed away. And she came and she was testifying to Brother Robert and the other brothers saying, my son, something's different. Something's changed. He's zealous for God. If there's anything I could ask you, please, can you tell him not to be so radical? <laughs> and the brother said, no, you need to get what he has so you, he doesn't seem so radical. <laughs> Amen. We had, he was just a real wonderful brother. Amen. We had in Uganda... Uh, we had a baptismal service there. Well, what ended up happening is there was a Friday night service, then there was a Saturday morning service, a Saturday evening service. On Saturday afternoon, we had a baptismal service. Saturday night, they had questions and answers. Sunday morning, they had a service. Sunday night, they had a service. Then we had another baptismal service, and then we had a questions and answers. Then Monday, we had another service, just so you understand what was happening. But then we, on Saturday afternoon, one sister wanted to get baptized, a sister Harriet, um, yeah, Sister Harriet, she wanted to be baptized, and so I don't have a picture of her, but we were able to baptize her in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. She was affected by, by, by the services there. This is how they gather around. At this school, they have a, a swimming pool, and because it was three feet deep on the shallow end, they said, Brother Andrew, you're the tallest minister. You can baptize them. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, it, was, it was wonderful to be in service there. 
So here we are. This was Saturday. Or this was uh, Sunday night. This was the baptismal service. What happened was Sunday. So Saturday afternoon, we baptized Sister Harriet. Then after the Sunday morning service, three young people came and talked to the Robert and said, we want to be baptized. We want to serve the Lord. We want to give our hearts to the Lord. This is what we want. So they said, okay, we'll do it after the Sunday evening service. Sunday evening, I felt led to spend most of the time spent on, he didn't tell me that there was three of them wanting to be baptized until after the service. But uh, I spent most of it, most of the time laboring on this message calls for a clear-cut decision. Talking about Abraham, or sorry, talking about Isaac and Rebekah and how Eliezer went and he wanted a clear-cut decision from Rebekah, not from Laban or anybody else. It had to come from Rebekah saying, I will go. And then from that, then now we asked at the end of the service, Brother Robert called the, the three that wanted to be baptized. He said, would you come up and we'll pray with you. And then we'll get on to the water. And seven came. Not just three, seven came and said, we want, all want to make a clear-cut decision. I want to serve God. I, I'm done with this. I want it now. So seven came up. They wanted to be baptized. And, and two of these, I believe it's these top two here, this one and this sister here, they're actually sisters. Uh, they're about 12, 13 years old. And they've been, their mother has been serving the Lord for about 10 years, and their father's an unbeliever. And ever since her mother got saved, she's been praying for these little girls for about 10 years now, that they would give their heart to God and still have an unbelieving father. But here in these meetings, her, her prayers were answered that they said, we want to serve God. Amen. And then as that night went on, the baptismal service continued. And these two boys here, this one and this one, um, they, they came forward. As it went on, and they began to kneel down and give their hearts to the Lord. They said, we don't want to wait any longer. We want to be baptized too. So then I made nine that time. So there was ten while I was there in Uganda that gave their hearts to the Lord, and where we were able to baptize them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. These two boys are also brothers. They also have an unbelieving, an Anglican father who's a very staunch Anglican Catholic. And their mother's been a believer and been praying for them for a long time. So you see the revivals just of the young people coming out. You have to understand, they say, well, there's, I thought there was a great um, revival in Uganda. There is a great revival in Uganda. This convention is among the young people. As I said, they're educated. They're not, the, the revival for the most part is mostly out in the, country, in the countryside, the eastern parts like that, where there's thousands and hundreds being saved. But this in the young people is mostly amongst the city. They're very educated ones, but the brand would say they're harder to get to. When they become educated. And it's true. They have so many more influences in their lives and things pulling at them that they, 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 they have, they're harder to get a hold of. But we find that, that God was able to get a hold of them in these meetings. Amen. There's, other, there's the other two there. That makes nine. Here's the picture here of the, um, the MP3 players that they would give. They got these made up in China, I believe, and sent over MP3 player with earbuds. What they would do, they had 50 of them, and they gave them all out, and they gave them to a group of four young people that were baptized in the same church. So if they went four in the same church that were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they said, we're not just going to give them to anybody. Because you can take the chip out of it and you can put whatever else you want on there. We want someone who's going to listen to the message. 
And he said, I've given you all of them. They're all educated in English. They understand English. They can listen to the message in English. So here he's giving it to the young people. Amen. So they can have it themselves and they can dig into the message themselves. I'm looking forward to the testimonies that are going to come from that. Ones that would be feeding on the word and they had them come forward and the brothers, the pastors of them would, would hand it out to, to their youth. And, but now, after the evening services, as I mentioned, on Saturday and Sunday, they had a time of questions and answers. The youth would write questions in, to, to, and they would write it in two brothers that had been serving the Lord for about 25 years or so, Brother Manuel and Brother Michael. Um, they, would, they would answer the questions, and they, they really actually did a, a fantastic job. During the Sunday evening questions and answers, they began, the youth, they had questions they would write in, but the presence of the Lord was there, was the Sunday services were fantastic, and then the, the, the baptismal service, and then they had questions and answers right around the baptismal area, and then the youth began to write in questions, and they began to write in confessions, even during, as it was going on, they would just write it down and bring it up and hand it, confessions, saying, this is what I did, and do I need to confess this, and I need to repent, and they begin to have an altar call right there. God was moving in their midst, and they begin to clean out their lives and clean out all the, the, the sins and the unconfessed things, and I, I've never actually seen that before, where God would just move in that way, where they would just come and give their lives right there, and they would confess their sins, and one would say, I, I committed adultery. Nobody knows about it. Do I need to confess it? Do I need to say this? What would cause a man, a young man, that I would perhaps have pride to say, to come forward and say, I've done this. God's moving on me. How do I get the Holy Ghost? Do I need to confess this? Do I need to make this right? What do I need to do? I need the Holy Ghost. I say, Lord, move on us like that. That we don't, we're not so concerned about our own pride. Our own, but Lord, whatever I have to do, let God move in my midst. Let God be my God. Fill me, Lord. And from that, on Monday, I preached the service Monday afternoon, and I still don't fully know what I preached on because I don't really have any notes from it. But it just was the Lord moving, and after that service, there was another altar call. It's not about altar calls, but I didn't even make an altar call. I just ended the service. I walked over and handed over the brother, and the youth just began to come up one after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. I got no idea what I preached. I couldn't re-preach it to you right now because I don't really know. But God began to move amongst them in a way. And I would go, he said, Brother Andrew, would you pray with him? And I'd pray for this one. He'd get up, go back to his seat, another one would come up and take his place. And I'd pray for him, he'd go back to his seat, another one would come up and take his place. It went on for about an hour, just one after one, after another, after another, after another. I don't understand it. But let me say, they had a part in these meetings. They wanted to come. They were willing to pay out of their own pocket. Say, I want to be in the presence of the Lord. And God began to move amongst them. And they would come at 5 o'clock in the morning and worship and pray and say, Lord, move on my heart today. And when the Holy Spirit was moving, they began to confess their faults one to another, praying for one another. Oh, my. Let me say this. It was very expensive to go this time. And I almost felt bad for going because of it. But... After seeing this, I said, Lord, thank you. After we were done in Uganda on the, on the Monday and then the Tuesday, I flew out to Ethiopia. This then was a, a totally different experience, to be honest, but good in its own way. Ethiopia, as I'm sure many of you know, is a very new work of the Lord. 
I was there in 2016, and, and when the, the church in, in Addis Ababa had just got a church building, there was about four believers there that had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we just got a church building for them, just a little basement down. You'll see a picture of it at the bottom of a hotel. There's a little basement down there, a little tiny room, and that's where they still meet today. But it's gone from in that church, they've gone from four to, four to five believers to 50 in, in, that, in that space of time. And now I was there. The, the pictures don't show everybody because I was there. It's Christmas time, and the different ones were traveling away to their families and things, so they weren't all there. But uh, we had a wonderful time nonetheless. So here you have, I have a picture. I've got a bunch of yellow dots on here. This is Arba Minch. There's some believers there, some in Soda, some in Hawassa, some in Addis, some in Mekele, some in Adisgrat, some in Asosa, some in Nekemte. I can, there you go, that's my Amharic for you. <laughs> I want to say over in Asosa, Nekemte, and, and Bube, which is right around the same place as Nekemte, uh, there's about 10 believers. And I put on there a distance to show you, this is distance from Addis, where, the, where, the, where, where there's a church established in Addis, where there's brothers that have been feeding on the word of God, that are ministers now. There's about five or six brothers that minister the word there out of the 50 and they preach and things, and they, uh, they take the word out to these believers. But I want to show you some of the distance. There's just 10 believers over here in this part of the country, right over here. It's 600 kilometers, 600 plus kilometers to get to them. In Hawassa, right down here, there's 15 believers. I'm talking believers that have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are, there's others, he's, Brother Mogus was telling me, he's the pastor there, he's telling me that there's others that have, are interested in, that are coming, but these are the ones that have been baptized by number. So now there's that many there. In Arba Minch, the seed's been sown. There's none that have been baptized yet, but they've been down there, they've sown the seeds, they've, uh, they've been preached the word there. Also over in Soto Shon, which is right close to Soto, there's about 50 believers there. That's about 450 kilometers from Addis. In McKelly, way up in the north here, about 1,000 kilometers north, there's seven believers up there. In Addis Grat, that's 1,300, there's uh, three believers there. So there you see they're spread out all over the country. Af Ethiopia is one of the biggest African countries. There's a couple that are bigger, I think, but it's one of the largest. It's quite vast, quite a long distance to drive from place to place. In Addis Ababa, as I said, there's 50. There's approximately 135 baptized believers in a country of 100 million in approximately four years. And you might ask, why isn't it moving faster? Why isn't there more? What's going on? Well, we thank the Lord for what there is. Secondly, I want to talk to you about some of the needs. I've shown you the distance, and I want to show you how long it takes, because as you know, Ethiopia is an African country. Some of the roads there are not exactly like we have roads here. In Addis Ababa, there's good roads that you can drive, and they've got paved roads and things, but as soon as you leave the city, it starts to get worse and worse and worse the longer you drive. And I, Last time I was there, this time I didn't leave Addis. I, I stayed in the city there. Went Wednesday night, we had a service Thursday or, or Friday, we went over to one brother's house. We ended, ended up having a service there. Went to another brother's house Saturday, ended up preaching there. Sunday, we had a service, ended up preaching there. Sunday night, met with the brothers, ended up preaching to them. So a lot of impromptu. Be instant in season, out of season. Even when you're not expecting to have to preach, you might have to preach. 
what it takes to get to these places here, to get to a Sosa and a Keme, it takes two days to drive that. To get down here to Arba Minch, the roads are a little bit better to Hawassa. They've got some roads there. It's a day to drive there. To get over here to a Discrat, all the way up here to the north side, it takes three days to drive that. That's a long drive. That takes a long time. Now let me ask you, how do they get there? See, they can't exactly fly. I looked at the flights. To fly from Addis to Hawassa, they actually have an airport there. Well, they have a piece of tarmac. We call it an airport. And, uh, but if you, if you fly there, it's going to cost you 250 U.S. dollars to fly there. It's expensive. To fly up here to the Mikele or Adagrat, it's about 500 U.S. dollars to fly that. Just for the brothers to get from there to there to try and fly that distance. It's just not feasible with money. Also, you say, well, they could rent a car and drive from a disc to there. It costs about a thousand U.S. dollars. Because when you rent a car there, you got to rent a driver in order to get to drive from here to there. Because the money there is, it's, it's very expensive to live there. And we'll, we'll show that a little bit. Transportation. This is currently what they have, because I need to bring out a need to you, as I just want to express some of the needs of the believers in Ethiopia. As I said, it's a very new work. There's only 135 believers. This is what it costs. This is what they're driving right now. The brothers there, they have a 2003 Toyota Corolla. It's a rental. The pros of having a rental there is all the major repairs are covered. The engine breaks, the drivetrain breaks, the transmission goes. The owner of the vehicle pays for it. But it costs 850 US dollars a month to rent that vehicle. They've had it for two years, spent almost 20 grand. The cons of it are, I rode in it, it's falling apart. <laughs> all those minor repairs, brakes, struts, shocks, all those other things, that goes on the driver. That's, that's paid for uh, by the drivers. Minor repairs and accidents are extensive to the driver, um, and it's falling apart. It's in desperate need of some of these things. And they still have to rent another vehicle to go to the believers out of the capital because it's in the rental agreement. They can't leave the capital with this car. So this is a car they literally have just to get around a disc because they, they can't, the renter has said, they did take it once, he said, out of the capital. They tried to go to Hawassa with it, and then literally the tire hub broke, and they, had to, they were stuck on the side of the road and had to fix the car. So it's, it's not exactly the greatest of vehicles. So they need a new vehicle. They can't afford it. All right. This is what they're asking for. This is what would be good for them, I should say. Toyota RAV4, Nissan, Qashqai, Honda CRV. Um, you say, why do they need a small SUV? A couple reasons. The rough roads, as I mentioned, the roads get rougher and rougher and rougher everywhere you go. Driving a little Corolla, it breaks. And driving something smaller like that, it, it, it busts. Number two, they need to be able to carry a load. I mentioned how far away these different believers are. They need to be able to take the message to them. These places that are way out yonder, they don't have internet connection. Even in the capital, the power and the internet is not even reliable and it's expensive. So then you get outside of that onto the countryside to where these other believers are. They can't afford internet and often places they don't even have the ability to have internet. So they can't just get on there and, and go on the internet, go on messagehub.info and print off whatever messages they want. They got no way of getting it. They need someone to bring them message books. 
someone to bring them the word, someone to bring them Bible, someone to bring them whatever they have need of because they've got no other way of getting it. So you say, why isn't the word spreading faster? They need the word to get to them in order to spread the word, right? It doesn't just spread on its own. God's got to provide uh, uh, what is necessary in order to spread the word. There's a couple things that I, I, I've just seen, and I'll just share this with you quickly. The Lord is providing men there, as I said, five or six brothers there right in the capital that have been studying the word. Brother Gary Walker uh, brought them uh, libraries all the way from 1962 to the end of 1965 from VGR, um, complete message libraries to these brothers that read English. And they've been feeding on that and feeding on that and feeding on that. And they've been maturing. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very impressed to go there and to see the maturity from when I was there in 2016 to see these brothers that have come in that have given their heart to God and now they're, they're feeding on the word constantly. And those are the brothers that need to take this out. But here's some of the, the costs of some of these things. Uh, to import a vehicle, if the purchase price of the vehicle is about 10000 US dollars, the shipping will cost about $2,000, and then there's import fees on top of that. That ranges from two to 5000 depending on the value of the vehicle. It's around 2000 for a vehicle of about $10,000. To purchase a RAV4 in the country, 2010 RAV4 of equivalent, costs eighty to 90000 US dollars. That's ridiculous. You get that here for 10000 Canadian. But there, because of their, you buy the same thing online for about 10000 Canadian, and by the time you ship it into country, by the time you pay all the import taxes, by the time you pay everything there, and then if you buy it in country, which means that it's from a dealership, they want to make markup on it, and they're taking all of the liability if they bring a vehicle in and it's not what they said it was because you haven't seen the car, you're purchasing car unseen. So if you do that, now they want all the markup on all that. So they want to charge you to buy it because we went and we talked to several dealerships there. They want eighty to ninety thousand dollars for a two thousand and ten Rav Four with like a hundred thousand miles on it. So to import it now, the price is based on the government determined value of engine size. So what they're saying is, if they they, they tax you on the ten plus two plus two, so fourteen thousand dollars, they're taxing you on based on if it's. Uh, 1,300 to 1,800 cc's, they charge you 30% tax. If it's um, over 1,800 cc's, they charge you 100% tax. So what they're saying is if you're paying 14,000 for it, you're going to get charged 14,000 taxes, plus add that to this, and they charge you more taxes, plus add that to that, they charge you another tax. I started to do some of the calculations. By the time you're done, it turns out to be about a 240% tax on the vehicle. So by the time you import a vehicle that should only cost $10,000, you're paying... 47,600 or 63,200 Canadian by the time you go. You say, Brother Andrew, how can we ever afford that? How can they ever afford that? When you drive around there, I took a picture I was going to bring. I didn't put it on the thing, but of, of a Toyota Yaris, little tiny cars of less than 1,300 cc's or, or 1,300 cc's, little tiny engines in it. That's what people drive there. And that cost $20,000. That cost $25,000. All of these things that, that, that we would buy brand spanking new straight out of the, the dealership for that price. They're paying for a 2010, 2008, 2005 with 100,000, 150,000 kilometers on it or miles on it, bringing it over and paying that kind of price. And here's these brothers that they don't, they don't have money. They don't have a lot of money. They, they don't, they don't uh, it's not a, 
They're not rich people. There's rich people there, and there's very, very poor people there. And uh, they don't have the ability to, buy, to pay this kind of money, let alone this kind of money. Um, so that's why I'm presenting this need to you to say, if God lays it on your heart, these brothers need a vehicle to take the message to these other places where there's believers scattered around that they can't even get to them. They've had to rent a vehicle for $1,000 for a weekend to drive up there to preach for a weekend and drive all the way back down. Pay for a $300 flight to get there so a brother that's there can pick them up so they can go preach the message because all they've done, all they've accepted is they've got the word, they've accepted water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and they've accepted that the message is true and the prophet messenger but they don't have anything else. That's all they've got. That's all the word they've got. They don't have Christ as the mystery of God revealed in the language they can read. They don't even have it in English most of the time. They don't have other messages. They got nothing. That's what I'm saying. They need something to get the message, to bring it to these places so that these people can feed on the message. The message isn't going to spread without the message being there. Amen. These are some of the brothers. Uh, this picture is fantastic. Anybody that's a photographer will love the lighting. This is Brother Ellie. He's a young brother. He's actually Kenyan. And uh, his dad's a pastor in Kenya, except he, uh, he decided he didn't want to serve the Lord, ran away to Ethiopia. God got a hold of him in Ethiopia. <laughs> and now he's serving the Lord with all his heart. He loves the Lord, loves this message, just reading it all the time. And he's texting me now and just a wonderful brother. This is Brother Gilmai here. He's the brother that in 2016 when I was there, we baptized him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was, I think, the third or fourth convert in the message of Ethiopian descent. And uh, that he was baptized there in Addis. Uh, this is Brother Saged here. He's a, a wonderful brother. He's a, got an interesting testimony that he, I'll just share very, very briefly, that he was raised uh, Pentecostal and he used to take writings of different People, So he'd take the Jehovah Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists. He said, I would take it and study it to find the faults. And he says, and I would point out the faults, and I would go to their ministers, and I would tell them where they were wrong. He's quite a, quite a bold man and very, very smart, very, very intellectual. He went to school to be a theologian and all these things. He's actually a, a professor now in a, in a college there. He actually, I'll say this, he has his own college there, which sounds like, wow, he's very rich. No, he's not. He has a house that looks like a house with an office on top, and he lectures in that office on top. That's what happens. So, but now, that's the way he was with, with other messages. But when the message came by his way, it came from a, a sister Yoda, which was the first, uh, first or second believer in Addis, that she met him in an internet cafe, or she was in an internet cafe, and he overheard him talking about, why doesn't God give me a car? Because I need a car. Why doesn't God give me a car? And she said out of faith, saying, well, you, what you need is this message, and, 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 and God will give you faith for a car. Now, here's a, from their mouth saying, God will give you faith for a car. So here's them saying, we got faith. We need a car. So if you just present the need to the people, God will provide it somehow. Right? So now here she is in an internet cafe, gives it to him. So he takes everything he can get because he reads in English and things. He takes everything they have on the message to try and find a fault. He says, I can't find one. Amen. <laughs> he says, everything William Branham preaches is exactly with the Bible. 
he says, and it answered the other question I had because he said, I used to ask all my Pentecostal uh, uh, theologian teachers, all of my pastors, why do we baptize in the titles of Father, and Holy Ghost when everyone in the Bible was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? He said, no one could answer me, but when I read the message, it answered the question. So I took that now back to my teachers and told them, this is why you're wrong. Amen. Amen. God knows what he's doing. <laughs> we have Brother Mogus here. This is Brother Mogus. He's, he's the pastor there in Addis. Uh, Brother David here, another young brother. That's just wonderful. This is Brother Ephraim, another young brother. He's only 23 years old. And his dad was a message believer, uh, believed this message with just one or two message books, and there was no church to go to. Nobody even knew about his dad till his dad passed away. Then by happen chance, I'll say, by predestination, the message through Brother Mogus came by Brother Ephraim. And Brother Ephraim said, I recognize this. My dad used to believe this. And now Brother Ephraim, he's got a hold of this message. And his, his mother and sisters were, didn't believe the message either when his dad did. But when Brother Ephraim got a hold of it, now his sisters, one of the sisters in the church, is married to another young man who got saved, and they've got children in the church. His mother's coming to church, and they believe. And his sister, then this man had a, had a little child, and they named him Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise be to our God. <laughs> Amen. But that's... That's some of the testimonies. You see, just this, how God operates and God moves. And they're saying, we just got faith. We've seen God moving. We've seen God save this one. God saved that one and do many mighty things in their midst. When we were there, we had, as I said, times of fellowship with the brothers. We had a meal there around with the brothers there. This is at Brother Mogus's house, uh, which is a rental house. Uh, him and Brother Basabozi, you know, Brother Basabozi, when he comes and when he stays, they, they share a house together. They're two families. That's, that's how it is over there. Myself and Brother Ellie. And we had times of worship. This is the Wednesday night. As you see, most of the people aren't there. Uh, they're away with their families. It's Christmas time. But they just love the Lord. Let me say something. They don't have a single instrument that they know how to play. They have a piano there, but nobody there knows how to play it. A little keyboard. So it just, it just sits there. But they can worship. They just sing. They give glory to God. They're running up and down, back and forth, waving their hands. Just want to worship. That's all they've got is their voices, the, 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 their hands, their ten-stringed instruments to... Sorry, I think I... Wrong button. I was ministering. That's how you minister there. This is the church here. As I said, this is in the basement of a, of a hotel right down. There's no windows in it. There's nothing. It's just a little room. It's not an upper room. It's a lower room. <laughs> but this is, this is what they have. They just worship the Lord there and uh, have a wonderful time. This is their library. Some of you might recognize these books. Brother Mogus said, I don't know where these books come from. He said, but we get them from the saints in Kenya and Uganda. And he says, and they're such a blessing. I, said, I know where those come from. <laughs> those come from our church. <laughs> oh, really? He was so happy to, to know where they originally came from. He was just getting them. And then I was able to show him how to order on our website. So, Sister Janet, you might be getting some more orders from Ethiopia now. But uh, this is how much they have there. I brought them some of these books. This is questions and answers. It's just all I could fit in my suitcase. So I brought everything I could for them. This is, I said, this is Brother Mogus. This is Sister Mercy. I don't see Brother Andrew's Sister Sharon here, but she knows Brother Andrew's Sister Sharon from Kenya. They went to the same church. And uh, this is their son now, Levi. 
this baptismal tank, I'll share this testimony first. This is their baptismal tank. When I was there in 2016, as we said, we just moved into the church. We didn't have a baptismal tank. Brother Gil might wanted to be baptized. So we went and we bought a little kiddie pool. It was about this deep. And uh, we baptized him in that. When Brother Osaget got saved, he said, I don't want to be baptized in the kiddie pool. So what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to go get a baptismal tank today, and we're going to bring it to the church. You're going to baptize me today because the Lord spoke to me this morning saying you're going to be baptized today. So he, so he said, but I'm going to get a real baptismal tank. So he went one day. I went for a week and tried to find one there, and I couldn't. But he knows he's Ethiopian. He knows where to get it. He went and got this tank, brought it to the church, had it set up. They filled it with water. They baptized him in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that day. And they've had that there ever since. Many people have been baptized there now. But now I want to share with you a little bit about Brother Mogus, Sister Mercy, just to show you some of the faith that they have because this is important when you understand the need for a vehicle and the need that they cannot afford it. Because here's a brother. Brother Mogus is actually a certified lawyer. He's, and, and people that graduated at the time that he did now are making around 100000 U.S. a year. They've got people under them. They're doing cases. They're doing all of these things. But he graduated from lawyer, from, from lawyer school, I'll call it law school, and, uh, and he graduated from that. He got a hold of the message just before he graduated. And right after he graduated, he didn't take a job. He said, I'm going full time to spread this message. He said, because this is the truth. So I said, well, what do you think the purpose was of you going to school then? He says, the purpose of me going to school was so that I can read and write and speak both um, official languages of Ethiopia fluently and English. So that I can translate and so that I can bring this message to my people. That's why I went to school. I said, well, praise the Lord. Here's a brother that's willing to leave hundreds of thousands of dollars to say, I did all of that just so that God could use me. Amen. 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 Furthermore, his wife, Sister Mercy, she was very high up in the Kenyan bank. She made about $2,700 a month U.S. That's how much she made. She said, I'm leaving all of that to go be a part of the work in Ethiopia when Brother Mogus came and got her and married her there in Kenya and brought her back so that she could be there with him. So they could spread the gospel together, giving up so much money, saying, we, we don't have anything. We, he, when he first did that, nobody had promised him any support. Nobody had promised him anything. Nobody said, I'll give you so much a month if you preach the gospel. He said, if I got to live on the street, so be it. I need to spread this gospel. This is the truth. God got a hold of him in such a way that that's the way he believes it. And still to this day, that's the way he believes it. God's provided for him for all of his needs. God gave him a wife when my, when my father, Brother Tim, was there in, uh, in the springtime. So they've been married now for, I think, almost two years, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, she was uh, still back in Kenya. They were doing paperwork and things, trying to get her to come. And my father prayed back in the spring. I just want to show you how God answers prayer. He said, Lord, next time I come, may Sister Mercy be here with her husband to live. He went back again in this, this fall time of 2019. The day before he got there, her paperwork went through and she moved. The day before. He said, well, it doesn't look like anything's happening. I prayed and I prayed. It doesn't look like, well, Dora, right down to the wire, right down to the last minute, God answered a prayer. And by the time my dad got there, she was there. And she didn't have to go back anymore. She now has permanent residency in Ethiopia. Amen. Let's stand to our feet.
Trust that's a blessing to you. Amen. Just to try and outline, there's, there's needs there. You know, first and foremost, in Ethiopia, they need more of the word. They need the messages. They need more translated. They need support in that. Secondly, they need a way to get the word out. Right now, they, it's just it's so much, it's so expensive there. Ridiculously expensive. To buy a piece of land the size of the front section of this church is 130,000 U.S. dollars. It's just tiny. And they, that's what it costs there. But they need our support. If God would lay it on your heart to give and say, this is for Ethiopia, this is for the work there, then just write, put it in the offerings with write that on it. It would be fine. But uh, that's the best I can do is tell you what the needs are. Let's take our Bibles together. I was about the first half an hour. Now we're going to take about the next couple hours. <laughs> On the Word. Turn to Psalms chapter 46. Brother Ed read this last Sunday morning and something dropped in my heart and said, that's your text for next Sunday morning. And I said, well, where are we going to go with it? By Friday, the Lord finally gave me an answer. So here we are. Psalms chapter 46 and verse 4 says, There is a river and streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. Amen. Amen. Let's go over to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. Verse 1 says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable because of him, the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. I want you to see that for a second. It wasn't just some renegade out there. Because of him, God had given deliverance to Syria. He was a great man. And he was a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captives out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that was in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is in the land of Israel, that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver. 6,000 pieces of gold and 10 changes of raiment. And he brought a letter of the king. Now when this letter is come unto thee, that said, now when this letter is come unto thee, set, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, am I, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man does send unto me? Uh, to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, wherefore, consider, I pray you, that see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. 
Now, what a, what a thought here for a moment. They didn't mention anything in the letter about a prophet. They just said, go to the king. Here's a letter that says, O king of Israel, heal my servant, my general of leprosy. And can you imagine receiving that now as the king said, what are you talking about? I can't do that. I've never done that. Where are you getting this information from? Are you trying to pick a fight with me? But we find, and it was so that Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, and he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Amen. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times. Notice Elisha didn't come out himself. He sent out a messenger, said, go tell him the message. Go tell him what I'm saying. Go wash in Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. And Naaman was wroth. And went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me. Naaman was a great man. And he thought, Surely I'm important enough that the prophet of God would come out to me himself and tell me himself the message that I'm supposed to receive. But he didn't even do that. He said he thought for sure he'd call up, he'd come and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Now, this is often what a lot of people are looking for in divine healing. They want a miracle, but divine healing ain't always a miracle. It's a process. It's something that you got to do out of faith, that you have to believe. But a lot of people look at me and say, well, it didn't happen because it didn't just boom, it happened. Well, the Brown would preach the message of trial saying there's Mr. Impatient that would often take this and say, oh, it didn't happen right away. But God didn't say when. He said, lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said, by stripes, they were healed. It's a according to your faith. Praise be to God. But now he says, are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. It's almost like the spirit that was on the king of Israel got on him, huh? He rent his clothes. How dare he do these things? And here's, here's, here's Naaman now. Oh, I can't do this. My creeds and doctrines are better than that of Jordan. Oh, we're getting way out of ourselves now. And his servant come near, praise the Lord, number 13, verse 13, and, and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he shall say, wash and be clean. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads together one more time. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for you being here already. Lord, for the, the little mission report, I pray, it just, Lord, may it just make it real to us. Yeah. Lord, that we're a part of them over there. We're all a part of your body, Lord. We're not some saints here and some saints there. But, Lord, we want the bride of Christ to rise together. Amen. Father, we need you in every situation. I pray now you just take these little words, a little thought you put on my heart. May you anoint it to the people, Lord. Lord, feed your children. We're standing here ready, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray.
Amen. You may have your seats if you'd like. Begin to look into this because I thought there is a river. What a statement in Psalms 46 verse 4 where it says, There is a river. Seemingly unrelated to what was said before, but there's striking an inspiration in the middle of a song where there is a river and streams that make happy, that make rejoice the city of God. There is a river. There is something that supplies life. What is a river? If you just look up, I happen to just type it in. What makes the characteristics of a river? A river is part of a larger system. A watershed, which is... Which is the land drained by a river and its tributaries. Rivers are large natural streams of water flowing in channels and emptying into larger bodies of water. Now, you didn't study what I studied, so that doesn't mean the same to you yet. But to me, that made me rejoice. Here's, a, here's a, something that is not just the river, but it's part of something bigger. It comes from something bigger. It's part of a, a system. It's part of something that goes beyond just what you can see on the outward. But it comes and it doesn't just flow haphazardly. It flows through channels. There has to be a place for the river to flow. There has to be a place for it to go down through the land to get to where it comes to a larger body where there's a pool, where there's a gathering of the rivers. It's a body of water, and in this river, it brings life. It gives, brings life-giving water to many. We find that down through the ages of men, they would take and they would channel out the water to here and to there. Why? Because that water was bringing life. It was growing their crops. It was giving them water for themselves to wash, to drink, to bathe, all of these things. The river is important. They needed a river for life. Cities were built around rivers, by rivers. There was the river, there was the, the city of Babylon, which Brother Branham would say was built in the image of the New Jerusalem. Jerusalem, in the image of the city of God, because Satan is, is an impersonator. But we find even in that city, what was it? It was built around the river Euphrates, flowed right through it. Why? Because that river was bringing life to the city. Hey Amen. That's just the science part. But that same river that brings life, the same water also can bring death. You get someone that doesn't know how to swim, jump in a river. It'll kill you. It'll cause death. It'll, it'll drown. And if it floods, it'll cause great death. Why? Because it's a great power behind the water that's in the river. It's the same water, though. It's not different water. It's not a different river. It's the same river. It brings life. It also brings death. There are many smooth, calm, deep parts to a river. You get out beside a river, you'll find there's parts that almost look like a lake. They're just calm. It's because it's deep. It's way down deep. And those parts are sometimes the scariest parts. But there's also other parts of a river that are shallow. And they're fast moving. And they're, they're, they're rejoicing shallow waters that are just bubbling. And they're splashing. And they're hitting rocks. And they're all over the place. And those parts are easy now to wade into some of them. And some of them are, become rapids. They become really out of control. And they'll kill a person. Dash you up against the rock and put you out of your misery. Or out of your happiness if you're a Christian. <laughs> Yet the shallow rushing parts, they can carry you away. But it's down in the valley 
where the river flows. It starts up on a mountain. It flows. Starts from somewhere glaciers and from streams and from snow and all of these things, they come together to form a river. But it's down in the valley, down in the channel, it begins to flow. There's life-giving. Brother Brown would say you can't always live up on the mountain. There's no river up there. There's no life up there. It's a wonderful thing. It's a rejoicing experience. But in order to be refreshed, you have to go down to the valley. You have to go down to where the water, the streams of water flow. Now, because I really actually don't have several hours, I'm going to take a jump. So it says, but now in the message identification, Brother Branham says, but now looky here. What is it? Is the spiritual revelation of the word of God that everything else is wrong but the word and you believe it. He was the word. He is the word. He will always be the word. And when God can open that channel, then he can flow freely through us, that sanctified body. Now we notice that. Now he begins to just change. I'm just changing it from the natural to the spiritual very, very quickly. So stay with me. But we finally begins to talk about it and say, listen, there needs to be a flowing. God's looking to flow, but it needs a channel for the Holy Spirit to flow. God doesn't just punch his way through everything. He needs somebody to open the channel so he can flow through. Praise be to God. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. Galatians chapter 21, verse 1 says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. It wasn't that there was just a, a new heaven, new earth, but the Bible says it was a renovation. It was a clean over. He took all the, the things out of the heavens, took all the germs and everything, burnt it out with fire. That was a new heaven, new earth. It says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Amen. This has been preached on many, many times, but what's he looking at? He's seeing a city, but he notices it's prepared as a bride. He begins to notice this is a dwelling place of the bride of Christ. This is the bride coming down back upon earth after she's already been raptured up. Now she's coming back down where she's prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Now as we read in John, or in, by inspiration, Matthew or David would write, Amen, better slow down. Are you with me? Amen. It's going to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? I got my mind on missions. It says in, in Psalms chapter 4, there is a river and streams whereof that make glad the city of God. It begins to talk about the city of God, Mount Zion, the new Jerusalem. He begins to talk about it in that way, saying, what is, what's this river for? There's a river that flows. Where does it flow from? From the throne of God. And streams that flow out from it. For what? To make happy the city of God. The city, the bride, 
The river flows from God in streams or channels that make the city rejoice. It's Jesus. I could say this and then we'll back it up. It's Jesus, the Son of Man, standing in the midst of the church. Let me say this. The New Jerusalem doesn't just happen like that. I've gone to prepare a place for you. The way you know. You know how to get there. Why? Because he says, I've laid everything out so you can be made perfect, so you can be my bride, so that when that city's ready, you're ready. Because you're a part of it, right? It's not just go there and there's a new Jerusalem, everything's wonderful, we'll come on down. No, there's a preparation. There's a making ready. Behold, the bride hath made herself ready. Amen. Now she needs to be made ready. So what is, who's making the bride ready? The bridegroom is making the bride ready. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There's no other way. It wasn't William Branham that came down to get a bride ready. No, William Branham came down to call the bride out of denomination, to call it out of the world, to call it out of things, into the marvelous light of the Son of God, of the, the, the bridegroom, so that the bridegroom could then make the bride ready. Praise be to God. By what? By a message that was brought by the messenger that did calling out. And it was also to feed the bride or to perfect the bride. So we find that now what's happening is it's the son of man then standing in the midst of the church. He is the inexhaustible fountain. There is a fountain open in the house of David to you who would receive. It's not open on that day. It's open today. It was open at Calvary. All the channels were blowing out at Calvary, ready for those who would receive it, for those who would open their life as a channel for God to work. He would flow through. He is the inexhaustible fountain pouring out a river through his channels. The bride rejoicing at the preaching of the word by the Holy Spirit through sanctified vessels. That's what it is. The river with streams that makes the bride happy. It's because it's God flowing the Holy Spirit through channels. God needs a channel in order to work. I'm so thankful, Brother Ed, you prayed in the back office. He said, Lord, help us to be channels for your Holy Spirit to move this morning. Amen. Help me to be a channel. Help Brother Maxwell, Brother John tonight to be a channel so that God could move and feed the sheep so that the life-giving water could flow through. Praise be to God. It's because he's here. Christ is here. The Holy Spirit, the angel of God. I'm merely just a mouthpiece for him. Moses was just a mouthpiece for him. Jesus, he, Brother Benjamin says, was a mouthpiece for God. That he tried to redeem us sinners. He died to redeem us sinners that the program of God might be carried on down through the age, through the church, and ministers that are consecrated to God become channels where God can speak through, preach the gospel, heal the sick, show signs and wonders. Praise be to God. This is why it's so important. Don't lift up a man. Because the man is nothing more than a channel or a mouthpiece. You say, well, brother so-and-so laid hands on me. It had nothing to do with brother so-and-so. It had everything to do with that he was a surrender consecrated vessel so that God could come, so the life-giving water could flow through him to you. Hallelujah. That's why it so amazes me when people are stumbled when a man of God leaves the message. 
Why are you so dismayed? Why are you stumbled? Why are you hindered? Why were you looking at the man? Because God is able to use anybody. He poured out his spirit upon all flesh. Hallelujah. Besides that, let me just drop this in here. I happen to believe that when God called out his little eaglets out of the chicken yard, some of them took a few chickens with them. Eagles have talons. They pick up chickens. And they fly high. And you look from a distance. Oh, there's two eagles. No, it's an eagle with a chicken in his talons. And that man thinks he's flying high. Woo, I go atop the world. He's still a chicken. As soon as that eagle drops him, nothing. So don't look at the vessel. Help look, it has two eagles out there. Are you sure? Let God use the vessel. Hallelujah. There's a channel that God needs to work through. There's an operation of that channel called faith. That's why it takes you to come to pull on the word. To have faith to believe for your healing. See, how can healing happen right by the preaching of the word? Because you got faith that that word is Jesus Christ being preached to you. Jehovah Rapha being preached to you. Amen. That you could be healed right in the speaking of the word. You can be healed by laying on of hands. You can be healed by standing up and saying, Lord, I believe it. You can be healed just like that. It doesn't take much more than faith to open up a channel so that God could speak directly to you. Praise be to God. And what is faith? How do you apply faith? Brother Brown says to apply faith, to apply the blood was just common little weed faith. Praise be to God. There you are just trying to look around and say, oh, if I could just get an orchid to apply my faith. Oh, my. We get too much of that. If I could just reach out and get a hold of an orchid, you don't need an orchid. We got too many people say, well, if I just get an orchid, I got to get the perfect scripture. That'll, that'll, that'll tell me exactly my situation, exactly what I need to do. You just need simple faith to say, Lord, I apply it to my life. I believe this is by your stripes I'm healed. I don't need to find an exact orchid where I can perfectly articulate my situation. I just need God in me. Hallelujah. Take the weeds that's right by you. Take the faith that you go home with. The faith that you go out there and start your car in this cold weather, and it starts. Praise be to God. And you go, wow, that's amazing. What was it? It's not amazing. You don't go jumping around. Praise the Lord, my car started. Woo, woo. No, it's not about that. And you just went out there, turned the key, it started. Let's go. Drive away. That's right. It's that simple. It's common weed faith. Apply the same thing tonight. Watch what will take place. Apply it this morning. There'll never be a doubt in your mind if it's really the blood applied by that kind of a faith. I don't care. You say, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and forever. I'm throwing all the old logs of evangelisticism. That's the word he uses. And everything else out of the system right here now. The Lord God by just ordinary faith that I believe you are my savior. You are my healer. You are my redeemer. You are my all in all. You're my alpha. You're my omega. You're the beginning of my creation. Praise be to God. You are in me through me. 
Just that kind of faith. Believe that like that. Just feel river like or peace like a river. Great gushes from the fountain that never runs dry. The fountain will just pour over you and pour down when you get all the old logs out. Oh, praise be to God. We need to get all the old message logs out. We say, well, it's got to be just this way. No, it needs to be the unadulterated word of God preached to a bride that can receive it because there will be those by predestination in each age that will receive it. That will get rid of all the logs, get rid of all the blocks. Satan throws everything he can at this river. Satan throws all kinds of bucket loads of dirt. He's throwing every log he can in it. But it's a river that keeps right on flowing. There ain't nothing that can stop it. He put a dam up in the dark ages called the Catholic Church. And 66 million martyrs later, it broke. You can't stop the river. Satan's tried with everything he can, but it is a fountain. It is the spring of living water. You put a cork on it, it just blows it off. Hallelujah. Just keep digging. Keep digging till you hit something in there that makes you, until you've done, if you've done something wrong, if you owe so-and-so some money, just go pay it. You say, well, I can't pay them. Then go tell them you can't. Don't beat around the bush about it. Try and hide from this one or that one. Go tell them. Tell them, I'll make it right, brother. You just give me a little time. I'm fixing and straightening up right. Yeah. Oh, praise be to God. Yeah. It so moved me when the youth in Uganda were doing this kind of thing. They were getting all the things straight. They were pushing all the logs out. Why? They wanted God to move in their midst. Yeah. They come to a convention to meet God, not to meet one another. That was just a bonus. Praise be to God. You ought to come to church every time to meet God. The happen chance that you meet your brother or sister, that's just a bonus. We're here to meet Jesus Christ. We're here for him to take the logs out. Oh, hallelujah. Tell you what, I made fun of them people who called Pentecost. Brother Brown, I'm talking. Raise up and sang, I'm sorry I done it. That's right, say sorry. He says, listen, if you've made fun of them people called Pentecost, that's what he's saying. If you've made fun of somebody called a message believer, that holy roll, that one, all he believes it, just raise up and say, I'm sorry. Don't, don't hold in your heart. Stop holding something in there. Stop trying to say, well, I got to just, I, I got to find the perfect orchid that I can take to my brother and apply this faith just so he'll understand scripturally what I'm talking about. Just go and make it right. So that God can move. Get the log out of the way. Maybe this isn't your style this morning, but I don't got any intellectual services left in me. Listen, you'll feel that old log go out. Some more water will go poured in. Just go to rolling in. First thing you know, say, I always thought them visions was of the devil. But I see they're of God. Then that old log will go away. Then the waters will start pouring in again. That's right. Just get everything out of the ditch. The water's there. You believe it. The Bible said Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. You say, oh, I always thought that wasn't for me. Get that log out of the way and watch God come and back it up. Praise be to God. So he's still the smitten rock. 
He still got the life. He still got the water. He still got the healing power. You say, Brother Branham, will Jesus heal me? He already did it. Just get the logs out of the way. Get all the trash and the old buckets and cisterns. Get it all out. Get all that stuff out of the way. Oh, my. Old dead horses, ecclesiastical things that's lying in your way, throw it out. God ain't going to come in on like that. It'll pollute the water. You preach a service called Broken Cisterns. We got too many cisterns that just latched onto something and built a concrete tank and said, fill that up right here. What happens when it stays there for a while? It gets stagnant. Gets old, but it gets wiggle tails in it. Gets all kinds of things in it that God can't move in that. It's not living water anymore. It's death water. It's death in the pile. Why? Because you've got all kinds of, you've harbored it. This is all I believe. Get back in the river. It's already there. Only thing you have to do is just move and cause the cure to all this. The cure is already performed. God already healed you. You just have to get your unbelief out of the way. That's the vision. I say that's in the name of the Lord. The same as Elisha said in that day, thus saith the Lord, get your unbelief out of the way. Watch what will take place. Get your systems out of the way. Watch what revival will strike Edmonton. He says Chicago, but I say Edmonton. Watch what revival will strike the world if we get our systems out of the way, get our own ideas out of the way. The spirit's already, the rock's already smitten. The only thing we have to do is get the things out of the way. Let it flow. You want people healed? You want people saved? You want to get healed yourself? Just get all the doubt out of the way. And then see what takes place. It will flow like a river. Praise be to God. We got too many just stopping up the channel, stopping everything up. Brother Brown, this is, this is I believe, from the message uh, getting in the spirit. Brother Brown takes the text from where uh, the Jehoshaphat and Jehoram, I think, sorry if I have that wrong, came down to, to Elisha because they were going to die. They were out of water. They said, what do we do? They came down to Elisha and Elisha got angry. He said, well, you're out there worshiping Baal and worshiping all He says, why don't you go to your prophets? Why are you coming down to me now that you're in trouble? Right. Sounds like a foolish virgin. Woke up and realized, I got no oil. We better go to where it is. Yeah. And one of the real virgins says, so you better go get your own because I don't got enough for me and you. I'm not the giver of life. You got to go to the giver of life. Amen. We find that Elisha finally, he said, call me a minstrel. Let me calm myself down. But he says, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I would not have even spoke to you. But he had to get in the spirit. He had to get God in his, to welcome God back into his presence. Now, as we read the story of another man in 2 Kings chapter 5 of Naaman, this is Elisha again. Naaman, the Bible records, was a great man. He was a good man. But in all of this, he had leprosy. But God sent a little messenger, that little girl. Or say, there's a, there's a God that can heal. Yeah. That's what God's doing in Ethiopia. He's sending just a little bride. And they say, there's a real one. There's a real true message that preaches this Bible. 
There's a truth, amen, today. That's what he's got today, a little bride in Edmonton and shining out the truth. That even though we're in a strange land, a strange country, there is a truth. There is a kingdom. There is a God. Say, how is God going to keep his word? He said, you have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Everything in this world, look what's going on out there with the politics and the pressures and all these things. Oh, don't worry. You've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Say, how's God going to do it? I don't care. I just got enough simple faith to apply it to say, somehow I'm going to be there standing the last day because I received the kingdom. That I'm just a sojourner here in a strange land that a little girl that could be in a, in a Syrian house serving a general great influences on her life. But she said, there's a prophet. Yeah. Hallelujah. Even in that state, she was still willing to stand for the truth. And in that, she influenced a general in the Syrian army to go down, take a letter from his king, go right up to the highest authority and say, there's a prophet. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Say, how are we going to fight it? How are we going to fight against all of this perversion today? Just take it right to their face. There's a prophet. Yeah. There's a word of God that came in our day to deliver us from these evil, to deliver us from this hardship, to deliver us from these things. If you could just stand on the word of God. It don't make intellectual sense. It doesn't have to. It's just simple faith. It's always just so amazing to me that, the, that they had a door there. And they said, apply the blood, the doorposts and the lintel. And use the grass that's been grown by it all the time. The hyssop. Don't, don't go out and God wants me to find some great flower way out in the mountain. No, he says, just the stuff that's been growing right by your door. Between the sidewalk blocks. Over here where it's annoying to you. Just take that. Pull it out. Dip it in the blood and apply it. Just the simple faith is everywhere. How are we going in after? Just a simple faith. No different than the faith it takes for you to go... Jump in your automobile and start it up. Is that simple? Yeah, it's that simple. Same faith it takes for you to wake up in the morning. Take a breath. When you make that toast, you got faith. You're not going to choke on it and die. You just eat it. And I hope this bite's okay. No, you just eat it. You're not worried about it. It's the same faith. This is one day in the morning between 6 and 9. I'm just going to step up a little higher. I'll just be in another dimension. Enoch, it says, just walked with God. He just walked. He just talked. He just had fellowship with God. He just said, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Just whatever you want, Lord. I'm just here for you. Uh, it's just simple. It's just common. Hallelujah. So Naaman, now he went down. Finally, they got down by the way of Elisha. I always wonder how Elisha found out about it. They didn't have text messaging. They didn't have anything, but it says that he found out about it right away. Was there a servant there? Did he have a spy in the palace saying, well, this is a problem for Elisha? No, I think the Lord told him. So there's someone that needs your help here. It's the same way. It's the spirit, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, it's the spirit making intercession. Sometimes you get on your knees and you begin to pray about something you don't even know. You don't even understand. You don't even know about the situation. You just got someone drop on your heart. Some brother over there. Some sister over there. All of a sudden you begin crying out for that person. You have no idea what's going on. 
And suddenly they're feeling like, hey, something's happening. Why? Because there was something God was moving. There was a channel that was open for the river of life to flow through. Oh, man. So now Naaman went down there and finally he got through to Elisha. And we know the story. We read it where finally he come up right up to the door. So all his tie straight. I'm going to meet the prophet. And he sends out a messenger. He gets all huffy, rage, he's wroth, he's angry. What? Who's this guy? I was going to meet the prophet, man. I needed the prophet to come and tell me. I needed to find the message myself. But God sent a little backwoods preacher from the backwoods of Grand Prairie and said, you just got to believe. Don't get all upset and say, well, I didn't find that in the message. I didn't find that in the word for myself. Well, God gave it to me to give to you so that I could be a channel surrendered to him so living water could flow through me to you. Hallelujah. Gehazi had to get in that place where he could be a messenger so that the, the living water could flow through him into the general so that the general could be saved. And he rejected it. He put a log, a dam right in the way and said, not a chance. There's better rivers in Damascus. Furthermore, why didn't he just come out? If he's really the bull, if he's really the prophet, he'd just come out and just put his hand on me and everything be better. Don't we just want that sometimes? The pastor really cared. He'd just come out and tell me straight. No, God needs to use the right man for the right job. I was not trying to lift up myself or Brother Red or Brother Moses or Brother Harold. No, not for a moment saying, Lord, use Brother Red. Use Brother Moses. Use Brother Harold. Use myself. As you see fit, we're looking for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to lead us to God. If it's up to me to say something, let me say it. If it's up to Brother Brandon to say something, let him say it. If it's up to Brother Ed to say something, let him say it. Why? Because we need God to move. We just need to be surrendered channels, ready for the will, ready for the water of God to flow through us. Not be all clogged up. Why? You say, why isn't God using me? Maybe you've got too many logs in the way. Put too many logs in the channel to say, I see the river of life. It's flowing right there. You've come to church every day. The river of life is flowing out. It's flowing out, but somehow your channel's not getting anything. Why not get the dam out of the way? Dig out the ditch. Make a connection with the river. Thank you, Brother Glenn. He wanted to do something great. Naaman had his own ideas of exactly what the message should produce. That it would be so great. You know how many people I've had tell me, if this message was really so great, Brother Branham really prophesied about Hitler and communism and fascism and Nazism, and he really prophesied about these things and, and autonomous vehicles and all these things. My, it would just spread the world over. Why? They got a preconceived idea of what the message would produce. Exactly the same as the Pharisees that were in their day. They had a preconceived idea that there would be a stairway open up from heaven and the Messiah would walk down and say, I'm here, we're ready to drive out the Romans, we're going to rule the land with a rod of iron. And he came in a little manger. Yeah. Why? They had a preconceived idea of what they thought the message for that day would produce. What is it? It's a dam. 
It's a log in the channel saying, I'm not willing to receive it the way God wants to give it to me. Thank the Lord that Mary and Martha, they were able to get the logs out of the way. They had a preconceived idea saying, Lord, if you would have just been here four days ago, Lazarus would not have died. That was their preconceived idea that some great thing would happen that they thought that he would just raise him up and he would no longer be sick anymore. Not even realizing that there was a greater river called I am the resurrection and the life that was ready to flow by them. All they had to do was roll that stone away, get rid of the dam. Get rid of the logs out of the stream. And that, that, that water was there all along. It was ready to flow. But there was something that was stopping it. Praise be to God. Oh, my. God so needs channels to live through. He was able by saying, Lazarus, come forth. I'll say it this way. To manipulate the dimensions of heaven and hell. He was able to raise one up from the dead and cause him to come back to life. But yet he said, I need somebody to have faith enough to roll away the stone. I need somebody to let the water flow. The water's ready to move, but it takes somebody to take the simple faith and apply it. The death angel was ready to pass through Egypt, but it needed somebody to apply the blood so that every firstborn didn't die. Hey, Amen. We really are going to be here for a few hours if I don't get back to the subject. Are you with me still? Amen. It's okay. We're going to try and close soon. I'm about to close. 1 Kings chapter, 2 Kings chapter 5. Where were we? Naaman was wroth. He wanted his own idea, his own preconceived idea. We find there was another servant. Something about these servants, you know. I find a scripture in the New Testament that says it's a fivefold ministry. It's for the perfecting of the saints. But the Branham says that fivefold ministry, they're servants to the bride. They're servants to you. What is it with these servants that just keep popping up? One pops up and he brings the message of, of Elijah to the general. And then the next one, he gets wroth. The next one pops up. The next servant pops up and reminds him of the message. He says, hey, what about what the message says? I got a fivefold ministry. It's for your perfecting. Quit trying to fight against it. You fight against the water in the river, it'll kill you. You'll exhaust yourself and drown. They say, no, it's got to be this way. You're swimming upstream, trying to fight back to something that was. But there's flowing down to something that is. Oh, man. So we find he reminded him. The servant came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith unto thee, Wash and be clean. Then he went down. Then he listened to that servant. Finally, the preaching of the word got through to him. And he listened to it and said, okay, I'll do it. If that's what it takes, I'll do it. If it's just simple faith, I'll do it. What was it? Did the river Jordan have any powers that the other rivers didn't have? Not one. Matter of fact, it was murky and muddy and it was probably more gross. It was not as appealing to the eyes. 
But God said, go wash in that river. In other words, he needed a revelation. He needed faith to trust what the messenger said do. He needed to believe the word for his day in order for him to receive his healing, in order for him to receive his life. Why? Because there was a river that he had to go and jump in the river. There was life-giving water no matter what it looks like. It's life-giving water no matter who's making fun of it. It's life-giving water no matter who's saying that's the most backward way of living I've ever heard. It's still life-giving water. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change his way. He does not change his way of working. It's still the same life-giving water. Get in the water. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 48, just a couple of chapters after what we read, in verse 2 it says, Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. What is it? There's a river that flows and streams that make glad the city of God. And it's talking about Mount Zion. It's talking about the bride of Jesus Christ. There's a river for you. There's streams for you. There's channels that God operates through for you in order for you to be glad, for you to rejoice, for you to have victory, for you to overcome. God is wanting to pour out his life-giving water for you. He says, and it's beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is the bride of Christ, Mount Zion, it's not somebody else or something else. It's not all the joy is, is drinking, the joy is smoking. No, that's the joy of nothing. Amen. But there's a bride. Amen. See, how do you know we're the joy of the whole earth, Brother Andrew? Because we're the reason that the four winds are being held back. Why isn't God pouring out judgment? Well, you're to blame. Because we still need to be perfected. We still need more of God. We still need the last one to come in. Why? So that way we can go up and be with him. Then he can release it. Beautiful for situation. Verse 11 says, let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of thy judgments. Walk about Zion and go around about her. Tell the towers thereof. Mark ye all her bulwarks, consider her palaces, for ye, for ye may tell it to the generation following, for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Amen. Hallelujah. The God of who? The God of Mount Zion. Psalms chapter 125, verse 1 says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which, shall, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth forever and ever. Hallelujah. Satan is just a tool in the hand of the devil. He can only do as much as God allows him to do. Or the doctor might say, if you would have fallen this certain way, you would have died. But you didn't. Why? Because Satan can only do what God allows him to do. Hallelujah. Isaiah 52. We'll run through these real quick because, well, we have time. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publishes peace and bringeth good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, and saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Hallelujah. 
I got beautiful feet. The watchman shall lift up the voice. Amen. Let's keep you on your toes. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice. With the voice together shall they sing. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. <laughs> Hallelujah. So there's been strife. There's been this going on. There's been that going on. This brother doesn't see this. That brother doesn't see that. But when he brings the word, when he brings Mount Zion down, there'll be a seeing of eye to eye. Oh, there'll be an understanding. Why? Because you'll find out it's the same spirit over here, same spirit over there, bringing what? The spirit of truth, the same truth. There's been so many misunderstandings in the message because of terminology. Because I see it this way. That was a, you've seen the same thing, but someone says it this way, someone says it that way. But there'll be a day. I believe we're in that day where we're starting to see eye to eye. Starting to be an understanding amongst the bride. Oh, I go over there to Africa. I go to Uganda. I go to Ethiopia. What do I see? The same thing. Amen. The brother's preaching the same thing. Yes. Preaching the same word. You go there. You preach the message. They're saying, amen. That's nothing but the truth. Why? Because they're of the same spirit. They believe in the same message. They're seeing the same Christ. They're seeing, looking at the same gospel. It's no different. Why? We're seeing eye to eye. Because Zion has come. Breaking forth into her joy, sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. This is verse 9. For the Lord hath comforted his people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord hath made bare his... Oh my, what happened? The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart ye, depart ye. Go ye out from hence, touch no unclean thing. Go ye out of the midst of her, be ye clean, and bear the vessels of the Lord. For ye shall not go out in with haste, nor go with flight. The Lord will go before you. The Lord and the God of Israel shall be, will be your reward. Hallelujah. Now let's jump down to Revelations chapter 22. Are you still with me? Is this okay? I have no idea what time it is. Oh, we're doing great. We'll close with this, for real. Revelation chapter 22. Verse 1. It says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And verse 17, jump all the way down to verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Amen. Hallelujah. To whosoever will. Anyone that wants it, just come. Now, well, mercy is still mercy. Well, God is still on the mercy seat. Come and drink of the water of life freely. See, I'm trying. Get the dams out. Get the logs out. Get your own preconceived ideas out. Quit trying to look for orchids to apply your faith. To try. I got to have the perfect scripture, and I'm going to just say it. It's going to come down. It's going to be such a great revelation. No, it's just simple faith. Take God at his word. There he is. 
Here he is tonight manifesting himself, proving his great power, moving the same works that he did back there, moving down through the channels of mankind, down here. You can intellectually stand back and understand the qualities and rejoice in the power of a river. You can stand on the shore and you can look at it, you can see how wonderful it is. And how it brings life to so many things and how powerful it is and how, oh my, there's so much there. And you could intellectually understand the river that way. But you'll never fully understand the river till you get in the river. One time back in Grand Prairie, brother and I were, we were down at the river. We said, well, we'd like to go across the other side. It was a big river. So let's just swim across. Sure, why not? Standing on the banks, it was good to appreciate the qualities. But when you got in the river, then you understood just how powerful it was. When you got right out in the middle and you're out there swimming with everything you got, and you're just going down, down. And you go, well, I was way up there, but now I'm way down here. You're not until you're in it. Do you understand exactly how powerful the river is? Not till you're in Christ Jesus do you really understand just how much joy there is, just how much peace there is, just how much power there is in the name of Jesus, just how much, oh, he sanctifies, he cleanses, he cleans. you got to get in the river. It's good to stay on the outside and enjoy the qualities, but get in the river. It'll sweep you away. It'll take you to places you've never been before. Now you might stand on the edge, you might look and it winds around this way and you don't understand. Well, I wonder what's over that hill over there. Get in the river, it'll show you. It'll take you around that hill. It'll put you down, show you where it's going. It'll show you the end of time. It'll show you, oh, praise be to God. Let's stand to our feet. There's so much. Brother Maxwell, I'm not taking the service tonight, but I'm not even halfway through. My goodness, there's so much. There is a river. It flows from deep within. Quit trying to look to something else. Get in the river. Open up the channels. I want God in my life. I want healing. Open up the channels. Dig out your life. Dig out the bad things. Dig out all the old, all the old person. This is the way I've always done it. Dig it out. Say, Lord, how do you want to move today? Give me this day my daily bread. I'm not feeding on manna from yesterday. It's rotten. I'm feeding on manna today. Hallelujah. The Branham would say this. He'd say, man in the fall has lost his conscience of what the Father put him on here on earth to do. In other words, all the plumbing as it was in our brain, this is still the prophet speaking. In our brain and the outlets, the faith has been all clogged up with business affair, home life, domestic things. It's all become so clogged, clogged up with that until God can't operate through those channels that he made a man for. It's been that way for thousands of years where men, that's why the world is so, this is the way it's always been, yeah. It's been wrong for thousands of years since the fall where man has lost sight of what God put him here to do, to have dominion over the earth, to operate by faith, simple faith. Say, so say unto this mountain, be thou removed. Don't doubt in your heart. It shall obey you. 
There's no time limit on that. Just simple faith. Praise be to God. How many wants to just take up some faith this morning and say, Lord, I believe. I, 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 I'm ready to just clear out all the old. Dig out the ditches, as it were. Dig out the channel. Say, Lord, fill my life. Let me be a channel for God to flow through. For the living water of life. Oh, God wants to use you in his own way. He wants to use you, but you've got to dig out your life. Say, allow the water to flow through. The water's there. It's ready. But if you put up a dam, it can't go anywhere. Until you take the dam down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a fountain open in the house of David to you who would receive. There is a fountain open in the house of David. Wow. Uh-huh.